Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business Podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Welcome to the HR for Small Business Podcast. This is your host, Brandon Laws. Thank you very much for the download. We appreciate the support. Um, and with that, we'd love uh, for you to go give us a review on iTunes and tell us what you think about the podcast. And even, you know, sh- tell us what kind of topics you want to hear about. And this podcast is about you. So definitely uh, go to iTunes. And even if it's not a five-star rating, we're okay with that. Just uh, let us know how we're doing. That said, I have a returning guest with me, yes. Tyler Mavison. Back Good to have again. you back, bud. <laughs> we usually bring Tyler on for book club discussion in Although we're not talking about book club at Zenium necessarily mm-hmm. today, we are talking about a book. Yes. I, uh, I tend to read a lot of random things, um, maybe not so random as Tyler <laughs> over here. He's very well versed in, in just literature and fiction, all that stuff. <laughs> Me, I tend to focus on the nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I ran across a book that had just released actually a couple weeks ago. It's called Disrupted, My Misadventure in the Startup Bubble. It's written by Dan Lyons, who, uh, for people who maybe followed his work, he worked at Newsweek. Uh, he wrote on tech, business writing. I think he really wrote on Silicon Valley, like for the most yeah. part, like just yeah. um, just the whole industry. Yep. Silicon Valley, he referred to Silicon Valley as just the tech startup, tech really. He didn't necessarily area. mean the San Francisco area, yeah. uh, but just, just the tech uh, startup. He also then worked at HubSpot, which is really what this books about their marketing automation company. And then he actually writes for Silicon Valley, the series, very popular series mm-hmm. on HBO. Yeah. So uh, what I'd say about this book, and we'll dive into the nitty gritty details, but I didn't, I never really followed his writing before. But when I started ri- reading this, I was captivated right off yeah. the bat. I mean, he's funny. He's, I think he's a satirical writer. and Maybe yeah. you know more about his work. But I, you know, I, I've, all, I've heard about this fake Steve Jobs blog, yeah. um, but I haven't really read a lot of, of Dan's stuff. Um, but reading this book now, I'm so glad I picked it up because his writing style was very, um, mm-hmm. it's entertaining, it's engrossing. Um, so that's definitely... Oh, I mean, it's, I, it's, I don't know about you. I... I Stayed up late trying yeah, to read this book because yeah. I love. I mean, I loved it. Like I don't really, I never really feel that way about nonfiction books yeah, very often. Yeah. But I think because I'm, I mean, there's there's several themes about this book um, and, and why it's probably relevant to this audience. It, there's a lot of culture themes. There's sure. a lot of this mm-hmm. uh, the growth stuff. Like how you know it's all relevant to this audience. There's a lot of things they touch on that isn't relevant to this. Like the things that I found interesting was that they're a marketing automation company, HubSpot yeah. is, and I'm so engrossed in, in that yeah. world in marketing that I you know I found a lot of those things funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. So why don't we just dive in? The book basically starts where he's starting a HubSpot. Right, so he gets laid off from Newsweek, um, yeah. and probably cutbacks or whatever, and 
he's looking for for a new position and he's like you know what maybe i should i've been writing about silicon valley and the startup community for so long maybe i should just jump in right so yeah. he jumps in to hubspot they're a marketing automation company i don't, I don't remember what year it was but uh it had it been like 2000 yeah 2012 or something like yeah. that maybe 2012 2013 and he um and they're in Boston, so it's yeah. not Silicon hometown. Valley. It's yeah. just it's his his hometown. That was really one of the reasons why he chose them. But also, he knew that they were likely going to go to an IPO. So yeah. he saw growth opportunity. He's also heard a lot about the culture and mm-hmm. how amazing it is. So <laughs> why don't you um, why don't you tell me what he quickly realized when he got to HubSpot? That was the, I, think, I was a little yeah, more fascinating. The eye-opening thing is that he sees that they're all very, very young compared to yeah, like like right out of college, like right fresh. out. Of, I mean, could it be in college still? And this could be like an internship, but he realizes that he is probably twice as old as the average employee um, at this company, and yeah. it's very because he's in his mid fifties. Yeah, at this early point. early mid fifties. Yeah. yeah, and uh, so he realizes, you know, goes in there and there's like a you know candy wall. There's all this. He's sleeping pods, and he's kind oh, yeah, of like... All, the, all the, the things that you hear about of these big yeah, tech companies. Yeah, it kind of brings him back to when he was younger, and this is kind of the things that he would imagine, you know. And it's very different than the way he's used to working in, you know, in like a news or in a journalist yeah. room, you know. I think so, the, the, the generational shock right off the bat yeah. hit him. But I also think the way he described that through the interview process, he'd been primarily dealing with the founders yeah, and even yeah. thought he'd be reporting to the, the mm-hmm. chief marketing officer who all of those people were either in their upper 30s or into their 50s. I think the founders were in their 50s. So he thought he maybe he'd have direct access to them. Meanwhile, this 24-year-old yeah. person <laughs> is going to be his manager. Yeah. And I think there's a little bit of shock at that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not so bad in itself if, it, if the guy's very competent or whatnot. But mm-hmm. I think that's... What he starts talking about yep. is these. Some of these people weren't very competent, and and um, I don't know. I mean, any thoughts yeah, about yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, he was under the, the the assumption that he would be working underneath the founders and and in doing content that would directly relate to how they wanted to run the business. And, and I don't think he kind of when he got in there, he realized, well, I'm actually farther down in, than I thought I was going to be reporting to like you know a twenty you know twenty mm-hmm. something year old manager, and then him reporting to another manager and then goes to the founder. So I think he was kind of like, okay, where, where, where do I stand in this company then? <laughs> I just had, a, had an interview with the, the two founders and, and I don't think that's kind of where I'm being led in at the start of my, my employment. Yeah. You know, one thing I wanted to just make sure the audience knew if they, if they decided to pick up this book is that uh, Dan Lyons, the author, fantastic writer, very funny. I, mean, oh, yeah. I was laughing oh, yeah. so it's hard great. throughout this. He's very cynical, though, and that's that's. But that's part that's <laughs> kind of funny. Kind of point, yeah. And so I think you should take this with a grain of salt, as yeah. much as like you know, there there's some truth to probably what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And oh, I, I know there's truth because it's a firsthand experience. But he has a, a there's a generational gap, I guess, is what I'd say yeah. about it. Is mm-hmm. he's coming at it from a completely different sure. perspective. Meanwhile, HubSpot they've built this this culture, uh, and yeah, there there's people and. Uh, they work hard, play hard, sort of thing, yeah. and he alludes to that fact. Like they've been they've been working here all day, but yet they still want to stay and party afterwards. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that's I think that's just a difference. Like he would go rather rather go home to his family, and it's like you know I could draw some parallels to myself too. Like yeah. now I have a family, 
yeah, I'd rather go. I'd rather go <laughs> home. <laughs> you know, so I am starting to see yeah. his his point of view, and I think it in the evolution, the life cycle of an employee, and you know, age and all those, all those yeah. things matter. I think um, everybody's perceptions are quite different. Yeah. And um, it, and it's just, yeah, and in his case, it's going to be a, a kind of like a a jarring you know perspective, but perspe- uh, perception just because you know, he's that much older than the average employee here. So, I mean, he's definitely going to see things a little yeah. bit differently. Um, and it may not be, you know, the way he's used to it, but, you know, these mm-hmm. that's how they're attracting, you know, talent. Absolutely. Tra- how they're attracting employees. And that's the thing is they're a, they're a software company, basically, yeah. in the, the, like a cloud-based marketing mm-hmm. software company. So they, I mean, they needed to hire cheaper labor. And that's that's another point he makes later on. He's, they're trying to get cheaper labor. Yeah. So people right out of college make a lot of sense. Yeah. And uh, when you really talk about the culture, they've, they've basically built it out to where they, they give them what they, they sort of meet the employees where mm-hmm. they want. And he pokes fun at it like, gosh, they're paying these people yeah. 30, 35,000 a year. And who knows if that's true or not. But the young adults are more likely to love the free candy and the sleeping yeah. pods and Let's, the parties than, than to make a higher wage. And I think that's just a, that's a generational difference. Yeah, and sure. And, and, and he also kind of mentions that, you know, the, the wage, like you said, but also I don't see the really the harm in them padding their resume working for a kind of a absolutely known especially hub. a high growth company yeah I mean, so, I mean it's not it's not you can't really fault you know throughout college coming in and say yeah. i want to get some experience working for a you know a high profile tech company mm-hmm. and then you know if they get you know they leave after a little bit then you know, so be it but they at least have that on their resume yeah go to the next step it's, yeah it's, it's, it's a Give and take. Uh, so, what other things about the way he described the culture that stuck out to you? I mean, there's there's several things that stuck out to me, like you know, when they use the, even the chief marketing officers the using language. words like awesome <laughs> yeah. and sweet yeah. and wearing shorts and flip flops and yeah. that kind of stuff. I mean, that's that's pretty unique. That's unique. I would find it annoying. Um, <laughs> that to it's me, hard to take people seriously. It's hard I think, to take people but, seriously. I mean, you are you are at the end of the day, you are running a company, and yeah. you are you have deadlines and you have projects you're working on. I think that kind of, you know, culture speak, um, in my opinion, is a little distracting. But, I mean, for them, if it's working and they yeah. they all seem to be doing it, I mean, everyone. What's funny it's is. very peppy. After he was writing those lines in the book about how they're using words like awesome. <laughs> and I read that and I'm like. I use that word quite a bit. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough word, though. Awesome it, is kind of like... Uh, yeah, but it, again, it's my age as well. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a millennial, as, as you are, too. So um, I sort of went in this... You know, I th- I'm a, I think like Dan Lyons, I think the author. Yeah. But I'm in the group of a millennial. So it's kind of yeah. it's kind of funny. Like, well, I'm sort of like a teeter in the middle. Well, I, say, I think with our age, you know, in, in our early 30s, I think we were kind of on like the, the little... Gap yeah. between you know Gen X and Gen Y. Absolutely. So I think we kind of relate, you know. Yeah. Yeah. To both sides. So besides like the the way they portrayed the culture, the way Dan wrote about it in the book, um, and about like really how that the culture is, and how a lot of these tech companies are portraying their cultures, and how they they want to entice people. What, what, anything concern you about the way that they they have the culture? I mean, I don't know if there's any red flags for you. Well, I mean, I think that the way their management style, um, to me, was a little bit concerning. Just especially um, towards the end of the end of the book, we have yeah. his manager kind of being 
a little bit more abrasive. Very hostile. Very hostile. Yeah, absolutely. And how you get away with that is yeah, beyond and I, me. And I, I feel like this cult, the culture that it, that's enabled that at HubSpot is more passive aggressive. And they don't really, they absolutely. don't, they don't really tell you their concerns or their, they don't really approach you with any kind of uh, feedback. It's more circled around to your managers totally. and so behind your well, back in a sense. One example of that is uh, that actually really bothered me throughout the book yeah, was, no, that was the really... way they the way they described uh, graduation. Oh god. Oh, so, oh no. it, that's, so for that's so terrible. for those that haven't read the book, it what it basically means is like when somebody gets terminated, mm. they call it, they graduated. Yeah. And to me that's I don't know. I mean just call it for what it is. And they sort of danced around it and made it seem like it was a like a good thing, but they would give like nobody notice or even talk about it. Yeah. They like I think they described uh, or Dan described they'd clear a floor before like somebody would yeah be like be escorted out oh, basically. Yeah. And like I, maybe that saves face or whatever, but it just seems uh, a little harsh. Yeah. Like hey, you you put blood, sweat, and tears into this work, and we're growing as a company, and things are moving so fast. But meanwhile, like. Hey, we're, we're going to graduate you. Yeah, I'm, I'm using air quotes because I would never use those words. I would never use that term. And I, the, the founder, he actually wrote a, a LinkedIn Pulse article in, in response to this book and basically said, we, you know, looking back on the graduate, the way we termed graduation, because people are asking if that was yeah. true. Yeah. And he said, yeah, unfortunately it was true. And we regret using wow. that kind of language. Yeah, exactly. But we, we, they thought it was the right thing to do at the time and maybe it would soften the yeah, blow a little bit for people. Well, and this make, kind of create an illusion that it's not as severe or, yeah. you know, just kind of putting a little bit of light yeah. fluffy words to yeah. something that can be con considered very... The, just going back to the, the my original question about the, the concerning part about mm -hmm. the, their culture is that they... Um, what's interesting is they're so clear about how they want their culture that in fact they have like this... I feel like it's a 200-page slide deck of language that they use, almost yeah. like a brand yeah. guide or something like that, but it's really like the culture and showing off pictures and how people treat each other. I think that's awesome, honestly. Like, yeah, no, I think I like it's, that. that's really good work mm -hmm. and at least they're crystal clear about it so they can attract a certain type of person. And I don't think they have any trouble finding people. Oh, no. The the one thing that does concern me, though, is, and Dan describes it in the book, is that they have a lack of HR. They, um, and who knows what it's like now, but they had, I think, maybe one person. And so when Dan would go and say, hey, look, it's like 25-year-old male and female white people. Yeah. Where's the diversity? What are our stats on diversity? And like the HR department, maybe one or two people. They don't have any. Didn't have any data. <laughs> yeah. And so that was concerning to me is that like, okay, we're so crystal clear about our culture and where we're going and what type of person we have, but we have no documented processes yeah. or even statistics on any of yeah. the things that are important to, yeah. to just like people, um, to the people practices, I mean. So I thought that was fascinating, very concerning to me. Uh, what do you th What do you think? Yeah, I mean, especially the lack of diversity. I mean, he comes in there, and and a lot of it's you know young white males. I mean, the females there there's a few you know females there, but even them were even they were kind of the minority in the group. So I mean, it's kind of it's interesting to me that he he would ask questions about where you know where they finding these individuals and HR didn't have any stats and HR is kind of it's not really, really in the book as much because it really you don't really know if it really exists in this company it's more like managers you know it's what it seems like yeah, yeah. so I, I thought that, that like you said it was, that was kind of a jarring type of thing to yeah. see that 
especially at this kind of like a up and coming tech startup, which is all focused on getting attracting, you know, and you know, creative minds and and superstars to the company, and yet all the superstars are young white males. I mean, is that is that true? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> So and the thing is, it's also a big company. The way he describes it, it's almost like sure. this smaller smaller company and, and all that. And it, his group was pretty small, I think. Like, they're a team mm-hmm. of writers and yeah. bloggers. Um, but the company, I think, at the time was probably three, 400 employees. Yeah. And I think now they might even have close to 1,000 or something like that because oh, they've yeah. since gone through an IPO. IPO yeah. And actually, throughout the book, he's talking about how they're getting ready for that IPO. Mm-hmm. And then just everybody, like, everybody's... Just stressed yeah. out, I think, and probably working really hard. And and once they get that IPO, I think Dan pretty much removes himself from the company, and he's writing for Silicon yeah. Valley, the, the HBO yeah. show. And I, I think the writing's on the wall. He's planning on leaving at some yeah. point. So, what, what did you think? Like just kind of switching gears a little bit. What do you think about the way he described the lower wages and free stuff, even mm-hmm. like stock options, just to sort of create this this value for employees and like that that like you're a compensation guy so yeah. what what is your whole perspective on on that particular comp model it, it was interesting to me because we are seeing like you know trends of having more benefits related comp rather than yeah. strictly a you know cash incentive yeah, absolutely because you know, like normally we, we would just think about like cash mm-hmm. bonuses and like the like actual benefits yeah. like medical dental yeah. those sort of things but they're sort of, and a lot of these tech companies are doing it a little differently a little because different. they don't necessarily have the cash, Yeah. right? So they're, yeah. they're trying to do it in other other ways. Exactly. Well, Describe un- like that. With like unlimited PTO, um, they're doing, you know, like the the beer, you know, on <laughs> yeah. tap there. Yeah, they, they have, have huge parties. Parties, the sleeping rooms, the, the candy on the wall, the kind of, you know, fun atmosphere that they're, they're portraying, uh, you know, that, that's good and, all, and a lot of people uh, find that enticing. I think in Dan's case, you know, coming from like a Gen X and, you know, baby boom perspective, they, they more want the, the cash incentives and the, and the medical the benefits like that, that side rather than just like the, the fun, the fun benefits. Yeah. And so, and he, he even pitched that to, you know, ask, you know, some of the employees there, do you, uh, do you not feel worried about feeling like your wage is low just because they're, yeah. they're treating you to these, these benefits and they didn't seem to, they don't seem to care. I don't know. It's it's. I'm kind of you know on both sides of the fence. I, I am guess because yeah. it's kind of like I understand if these employees want to come up on on board the company because they perceive you know they they value this culture you know where it's more of a fun lively atmosphere and then take a low you know low pay. Mm-hmm. That's that's fine. Then that's their prerogative. So I don't think it's really. really I think trying you to... you bring up an awesome point, and I always think of these things as um, you know we live in the world of like information is flowing nonstop, and in the business world it has to be a mutual benefit yeah. like benefit to both parties to have a business transaction and it's sort of like you know like in in sports is like you have they always describe it as a business like they have these contracts Mm -hmm. and if it's like it's not meeting you where I am then we're just gonna part ways or I'm gonna go a different route and I think this is no different than that it's if they were if these companies were taking so much advantage of these people like they they would pick up on it and probably just bail and go work somewhere else where they treat them good they have a great culture and all that stuff and they get paid yeah. well so i think there's a balance there's always an equilibrium to these things yeah. um, and i don't i don't think one you know one's taking more advantage of the other or anything mm-hmm. i just think it's companies got to from a culture standpoint they have to meet employees where they are 
yeah. if they want to retain and attract them. Yeah. And I think, you know, as they've done it as well as they possibly can, even though in, in this book, Dan's pretty cynical about yeah. it. It's pretty yeah. funny, though. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the generational stuff. Did you, mm-hmm. the way, he, you know, he's an Xer, probably on the high end of an Xer, I think, like a Generation X? Or is he uh, a boomer? Uh, well, I mean, if, if he's low 50s, I mean, he's probably, he's probably low, he's probably early Gen Xer. Maybe even early Gen a late baby boomer. Probably early Gen Xer, though. So the way he's describing it from his vantage point um, versus like the rest of the company, what, well, like, what do you think about those generational gaps? It's <laughs> <is> pretty fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of a shocking to him coming into this and you know seeing you know the receptionist who looks like she's just out of high school, mm-hmm. you know, and then people managing projects and and doing these things, but are you know, early twenties, and he's mm-hmm. a, kind of a shocking thing to him um, to see that, and like the language that you know the culture speak is you know different, different than how he yeah. talks about it, and and you know he also brings up the point too, like in the in the journalist room, you know they would be cursing, they would be joking mm-hmm. about these kind of you know gratuitous and kind of you know um, they wouldn't be so sensitive about sensitive like the vulgar about things, but language. here you got more of a sensitive group who is who doesn't like that kind of talk and then they more appreciate more the, the kind of the simplicity yeah of the language and I think that's kind of to him was you can't really be open in his eyes because his his way of doing things is completely different yeah it, than the, it, the, the, there the there are so many now. gaps I mean he talks about the, the style of communication like you know people would rather send him a quick, oh, quick instant message instant or message. something oh, the, and the calendar invites oh the oh. calendar invites he's saying like anybody can see anybody's calendar and just like invite you and then he would just accept everything because yeah. he was he was looking to learn and yeah. meet people and all that stuff and so he just like he'd have no idea why he's yeah. in these meetings but like he just accept everything back to back meetings and like you, you know, he asked like, someone to come up to him and actually he wanted to go to coffee the next the next morning and he'll you know he'll say yes and then and the person will say well put it on that send me a calendar yeah. invite and we're like I, I can remember that it's yeah. like it's tomorrow morning no no send me a calendar invite yeah. it is funny i i was snickering at that because i'm that way too where i'm like okay i'd like to ha- yeah. i like to have it on my calendar because yeah. like us we're so technology based that yeah. You like to have it on your phone, or if you're on your iPad, you want to be able to see your calendar, or like Outlook, or whatever. You just want to have yeah. everything sort of integrated. And that, and that's another thing too that it's also brought up in the book that Dan brings up is that when he goes on vacation and when he does things with his family, he completely unplugs. Like he doesn't. He doesn't I couldn't do that. I mean, that's a, and that's a generational thing. Yeah, I think is. he goes and unplugs, and so he's not he's not seeing mm-hmm. his emails that are coming through or you know, getting any notifications or anything, but he unplugs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you wouldn't see people nowadays do that. They would pretty much have their phone on them 24-7. They're doing something that's tech-wise. And if you do, more power to you. But I, I think... Yeah, so here's a couple of things, a couple of points I don't want to make about that. Because I don't know if that's necessarily a generational thing. Okay. Because... I believe that if you were so passionate about the work that you're doing, that you would want to have like sort of sure. a work-life integration where you're sort of always connected, uh, but you know when to turn it off. Like you yeah. just sort of like can go in and out of it pretty yeah. good. He was not passionate about the work he was doing. He's, he made it very clear in the book. And so I think that part of it was he wasn't passionate about it. So yeah, he's going to go unplug. Yeah. It makes no sense for yeah. him to be plugged in. So I, I wonder if it's more of a passion thing sure, than a be. generational be, thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm just Very making well, yeah. that point. It's hard to kind of, you know, put, you know, label, you know, yeah. so just generationally. They do this one thing and they yeah. someone else. But, but 
So, I mean, we're kind of running out of time, but what is your overall like sort of takeaway from this book? I mean, it's there's so many cool things about it. It's yeah, funny. Yeah. It's it's concerning in some cases. It uh, gives you some cool ideas for for culture stuff. Yeah. And it tells you what to do, what not to do. What, what do you think? I, I think my biggest takeaway, and then seeing the the way that the book is kind of playing out, is is culture. I mean, that's the kind of like the central mm-hmm. issue, I think. Um, and it's just like you know, a company can create its own culture, and it, but it has to happen organically. It has to happen with the employees, and has to be fluid. I mean, I didn't like that. They, that HubSpot was just kind of forcibly accepting other culture, you know, ideas and this implementing in them like it's, you know, okay. And especially with like the performance reviews and how they took, you know, VORP, you know, it's like a baseball, a baseball statistic to, mm. to uh, use in the performance evaluations, which I thought was abhorrent. I mean, that's, hmm. that's ridiculous. You can't create a value on a person like that, especially during a performance review, uh, performance review. And I just thought that, you know, taking these culture things and then making trying to make them your own is not the way to go about creating culture in, in your company. And I think it creates um, silos, and I think it, it doesn't it doesn't include the variety of people in your office because you know, a lot of businesses have people that are, run the gambit from generational gaps, baby boomers, X, Ys. Um, so I feel like when Dan came into HubSpot, he was very silo because he was the only one in this of this age that was here and he didn't feel like he was included in this culture which they could have done a, a, a better job to yeah. include him into it so I thought it was culture was the kind of the underlying element of it hey, let me ask you this because you I think you you bring up a pretty valid point it's like this company's one thing like they have you know 25 year old male and female people yeah. like not no yeah. diversity right and so you bring in somebody like Dan Lyons who's in his 50s and your your point was maybe they should like you know shift the culture a little bit to to bring mm-hmm. in people like that and make it attractive for people like that. They they're very clear about what kind of culture they want. But mm-hmm. at what point do you get so clear about your culture where you sort of like in a way are discriminatory towards yeah, certain I, groups? Yeah, it's it. I feel like it, it kind of borderline on cultish just because it, it, totally. And yeah, he actually mentions makes, that word allude, quite you know, a bit. Some you know alludes to some cultural uh cultish activities but yeah i think that you start to alienate people and and yeah i mean cultures have to be able to uh, like company culture has to be adaptable you can't mm-hmm. you can't really i mean you can have some underlying principles about how you want your company to be expressed but you really you're gonna get new people yeah. in and out of your company you know every so often and they're they're gonna have a little bit different than than you you want to portray so Absolutely. i mean you have to adapt you have to make make you know, make concessions and, and try to try to include them and be inclusive. I think that's all about inclusion. And I don't think that HubSpot was doing a very good job to include Dan in, in their activities. And, and frankly, I don't think they really they didn't really care about changing their their. It was the HubSpot way, or is no way. Well said, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, before we wrap up, I always ask you, what kind of rating would you give this oh, book this, out of five? Oh, five stars. Five, yeah, oh, I, I outstanding. One hundred percent agree with you yeah. on that. I thought this book was fantastic. I yeah. loved it. I, and you know what's funny is before this book came out, and the reason why I even picked it up is I'm a huge HubSpot fan. I, yeah, I, I um. I consume so much of their content on the marketing side, and a lot of what I've learned in marketing has honestly come from them. Mm-hmm. I actually 
surprisingly don't really think anything less of them. I, I keep an open mind about a lot sure, of stuff, yeah. and a lot of stuff was several years ago. I think they've they've changed a lot of their ways. Um, I mean, I think a little bit less of them after this book came out. Yeah, but I I still think that they can they can change. Anybody sure. can change, and this book probably makes them more aware of like all the flaws. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I I, I was a, I'm a big fan of you know tech. Me too. In general tech companies. I think it's huge for the economy yeah. and if as long as books like this come out and sort of shed light on the the negative parts well, these companies will keep iterating exactly. and, and refining exactly. their cultures and it's it could be a game changer it could yeah. be it could be really helpful to the economy I think it's 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 really good it's healthy and I, I definitely see this book creating a lot of buzz in the in next month because it's new but I, I definitely in the next coming months especially with a lot of these you know tech companies you know, seeing non-profitable quarters and stuff like that, I think you're going to see a lot of people turn to, you know, Dan's book and kind of read it and kind of like, okay, well, this is kind of enlightening yeah. about the tech sector in general. That You know, I, I think that there's a lot of good that tech that tech startups do, and I think that they're, we definitely need them. I and mean, Portland's getting a lot of tech startups coming Lots, up here, yeah. so um, it's definitely appreciated. So a lot of a lot of tech companies do a lot of right things, and they do a lot of good things with their culture. I think this this kind of sheds light on a, a one particular tech company that during its startup process was not really not really doing things the right way, and, and now they could be changing that. I'm talent, sure they, especially yeah, after yeah. going to IPO and yeah. and doing that. So. I was at outstanding book. I encourage everybody to pick it up and read it. It's a great. You'll read it so quickly. It's uh, Dan's such a great writer. Mm-hmm. Um, excellent book. Excellent book. Good stuff. Great insights. I appreciate yeah. you coming on the podcast, Tyler. Um, Love it. Tyler, if people could follow you on like Twitter, what's your Twitter handle? Yeah, t- my Twitter handle is M A Y V E S I N. Awesome. We'll link to it. I'm at Brandon Laws on Twitter if you want to follow me, and I'm on LinkedIn. And uh, feel free to connect. Always looking to get feedback about our podcasts and uh, learn about what topics you want. You, we're just sort of shooting from the hip on yeah, topics. So yeah. feel free to just say, hey, I want to learn about this and we'll, we'll get it out or we're up for it. So if you would, go to iTunes, give us a, give us a review. We'd, we'd encourage that just because we want other people like yourself to find the podcast and kind of spread the word. We're, um, we're picking up a lot of steam on, on just the, the downloads. So we appreciate that. Tyler, again, thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.